fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Daniel J. Glenn, Analytical Mastermind here. Just wanted to pop in before the show and once again let you know that this and all future episodes will have a video version on YouTube. Where do you find it? Easy. Links are located on the official Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies website, which of course is fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com. One more time, fgbt.com. Find the links there. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you think, future episodes. What do you want to hear about? Let us know there. And now that you are armed with that information, on with the show. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, this is an incredible episode, guys. Uh, and before I go any further, I do want to say who these guys are. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel Jiglin. That is the voice that you're listening to right now. And as always, it wouldn't be FGGBT without the physics phenom, the superhero scientist, Dr. Michael Denon. Thanks for coming all the way oh. from Amsterdam, being on the show today. You're welcome. It was a long flight, but I made it. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Just in time. And next to you, of course, we have the enigmatic engineer, the man of a thousand calculations, Ben Siepser. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, you came from a much shorter distance in Amsterdam, right? Yeah, it's about 15 minutes. Okay, that's not that bad at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, talking about distance, talking about travel, this particular episode we're doing comes to us from fan of the show, Nigel in Australia, the land down under for those who are unfamiliar. Uh, and, and I want to say it was on a short list, but Nigel really pushed me forward to do this episode. I'm really excited about it. But before we get to it, I just want to give a little props to Australia as a country because I got to tell you, you got to be you got to be really something. You got to be made of pretty stern stuff, in my opinion, to live there because it's dangerous. Oh, it is. It is. Have you ever been? No, I've never been. I'd like to go. I'd really like to go to New Zealand, too. Why New Zealand? Um, it just seems it's like, cool. It's like the Canada of uh, Australia. I know, it's but like, it's just oh, like... nice. Lots of things were filmed there. They got the Hobbit Town. They do. You know? That's true. I mean, and no disrespect to New Zealand. It's just not yeah. nearly as dangerous as Australia. Well, no, from a, and that's another reason to go to New Zealand. Because, <laughs> <laughs> as you said, Dan, you need to be made of stern stuff. Right, that's true. That is true. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's funny because Australia has always been fascinating to me. And while I was researching this, I was listening to a podcast recently about this jellyfish called the Iricandu jellyfish. So this thing is about an inch in like the cubic inch. You guys know okay. what that means, right? So it's very small. It's obviously transparent. Uh, it's in the northern shores of Australia. When this thing bites you, and it's like the perfect killer because you can't see it, uh, within so you don't even feel the sting, right? It just goes in nice and gentle. You don't feel anything. 30 minutes later, you are in extraordinary pain. You have, you're vomiting for 30, hour, you know, 30 hours straight or right. whatever. Um, you start to have delusions, feeling of worms on your skin. You start to feel like you're impending doom. Your death is coming. Dehydration, soaking sheets. It's pretty bad, pretty dangerous. That's the kind of stuff they're dealing with them. Yeah, it's really inspiring me to go to Australia, Dan. <laughs> you should. You're, you're like getting me excited here. Well, do you stay out of the water. <laughs> okay. Are you an ocean guy? Nah, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Well, that's good. you should you say know. the ocean because not only that the Iricandu, before I want to mention one other thing about jellyfish before we move on. They also have the most dangerous, most venomous aquatic uh, animal, and that is the box jellyfish known as the Chironex flacari. I'm sure I'm getting that accurate. That's perfect, <laughs> Italian, perfect Latin. Right. And they actually are totally venomous to humans. You can die within 30 minutes of being stung. Wow. Yeah. 
You're, uh, now I'm even more. All right. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So, all right, so, so moving right along. fun place. So uh, what I'm saying is I've always had respect for Australia. Yeah. Uh, I, I did an interview with Jason Belmonte, the number one bowler in the world. He's from Australia. Wow. And fascinating nouns. Check it out. Quick plug there. And we talked about spiders, specifically the huntsman spider. So I've talked about this before, but I, wanna, I think it bears repeating. They're incredible. You guys know about the huntsman spider? I do not. Uh, yeah. What do you know about it? They're enormous giant spiders that live in your house. That's very true. <laughs> they are fist-sized spiders. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, people in Australia, but they, they are um, they're extremely big. They live in your house, and they're ag- aggressive. I don't think they're particularly poisonous, but they're aggressive. Okay. I, I just respect these things so much. They're very scary. But this is the connection. Where am I going with all this? This is the connection, because we're talking about Spider-Man, specifically a Spider-Man villain today. And... Before we reveal who that is, who is your favorite? Let's go down the line here, Dan. And who is your favorite Spider-Man villain of well, all time? Well, I'm not sure if it's obvious to you, Dan, mm-hmm. but um, longtime viewers should be able to guess mm-hmm. that my favorite is Sandman because he's <laughs> darn close to foam. That is very true. That is interesting. I would, don't think I would have guessed that. Yeah. Um, now, does he display the properties in the comic book of foam that you love so much? Yes, and, and basically foam and sand are two sides of the same coin. Okay. Foam is liquid stuff that acts like a solid. Uh-huh. Sand is solid stuff that can flow and act like a liquid. Oh, okay. And so Sandman, like um, he has a lot of interesting features. What I really like is the physics of how Spider-Man often goes up against him using sort of known interesting ways of interacting with these complex materials to huh. break them apart, yeah. um, particularly vibrations. In fact, Sandman has one of the few villains that has made it into my science of superhero um, really? uh, oh, courses. That. There's some good videos that I make students analyze and discuss the physics of. Oh, that's exciting. Well, and the kind of the cool thing with him is that there is like a particle, like a brain particle that he has. Yes. That's like his fundamental being is in one grain of sand. So whatever yeah, that means. exactly. So uh, he's cool. He is pretty cool. Ben, what do you think? I, I think I'm a big fan of the new Vulture from the new. Oh, Hulk yeah. He's a he's an engineer. He's just doing it for his family. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, he, you know, he takes this the Chitauri tech uh-huh. From the fallout of uh, of uh, the Avengers, the first uh-huh. Avengers movie, and yeah. he turns no spoilers it into, here, no spoilers. Uh, uh, yeah, for an eight year. <laughs> uh, but he turns it into a, an amazing engineering business. Sure, it's illegal and their weapons. Yeah, it is illegal. But you know, he he figures out, he reverse engineers this stuff. He figures yeah. out how to make it into all this cool tech, and he has these awesome badass wings. I, I agree with you. I think I actually loved the Vulture. I thought he was a really exciting addition to the world. Yeah. And I thought Michael Keaton was amazing. Oh, yeah. Michael Keaton's yeah. best. And their scene in the car is like... Oh, that's oh, hysterical. God, it's incredible. I, I loved yeah. it. Um, well, my favorite and the topic of today, of course, moving right along yep. here, is we're going to talk about Dr. Octopus. Now, I always liked Dr. Octopus. I think because he was always kind of the brain of the whole situation, you know, like especially with right. the Sinister Six, he was always the smartest of the bad guys. Oh, yeah. And I really liked him. And I feel like there's a lot of potential that some of the stuff that he did, some of the stuff that he was, could actually exist in real life. I, yeah, no, he's, this is going to be a good episode. I think so. You want to start it off? Well, I, I have to start it off because of UCI Pride. Okay, here we go. Sorry. <laughs> but, I, and actually, we're not the only one who does this, but... Basically, connecting robotic stuff mm-hmm. to human bodies and having the brain and the cyborg uh, stuff. So you're talking cyborg about. stuff. Yeah, cyborg stuff um, is is reality. Mm-hmm. You know, there, now there's a lot of other interesting engineering questions and challenges and fundamental physics questions about how 
Doc, Ock uses a lot of these things mm -hmm. that I think we'll get into. But I just wanted to start with that opening that fundamentally we're on solid ground here with this one. <laughs> so, well, just so understands really. So fundamentally you wanted to open it up with a plug. Exactly. All right. So we both have plugs <laughs> in this. So, so, far. so far, two plugs. Okay. Two down, one to yeah, go. And you got a plug that ties into why you like Dr. Octopus? Well, he plugs his arms into his body. <laughs> that's okay. very true. Yeah. That's good. I was waiting for a dad joke. We got one in there. No, that's <laughs> yeah. good. So what, what do you like about this? Well, I... I, I much like Denon, is it's a very practical application of science and technology we have today. We have artificial limbs that hook into your nerves and can kind of basically, people can control them like they were their, their original arm or their original leg. And it's, we know enough about how the peripheral nerve system works to mm -hmm. make arms and do what you want them to do. Yeah. yeah, it's actually pretty incredible the stuff we we are capable of doing. Uh, I mean, the stuff I was coming uh, uh, in real life stuff is pretty amazing. Yeah. what we have right along the lines. Of, it's like someone had a, was a fan of Doctor Octopus and then decided to just make. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible. But one of the things I want to talk about because you know, there's a, there's kind of we're talking about the Doctor Octopus. I'm talking about old school here, guys. Old school Doctor Octopus. And from what I understand, and you guys correct me, just make sure the science is all right on this, okay? So he was a scientist, was working with nuclear stuff, and he attached like a girdle, like, you know, like, like, a, like yeah, a girdle to a his... Belt. Yeah, like a belt, sure. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. That's yeah, okay. So I'm going to say girdle. So he attaches a girdle that he can control, you know, like with his, with his real hands, as right. these huge tentacles that come out. Obviously, there's a, an explosion. Radioactivity, as we all know, is the source of all superhero powers. Right. Mm -hmm. This thing becomes fused to his spine, I believe, and then he's able to control it with his brain. Yeah. Now, can, is, that, is there any real science in that explanation? See, those are the sort of things on the fringe that I think become <laughs> questionable. Yeah. And, and this is the challenge I think superheroes and supervillains have had um, sort of from the early days to now. Sure. Is, They've had a hard time. They've had a hard time. Well, it, Nuclear radiation and nuclear explosions early on was the thing we feared. Yeah. And that drove a lot and became the source of a lot of superpowers and supervillain powers yeah. in ways that make no scientific sense. Right, absolutely right. true. The, the, my description usually is the typical nuclear event that leads to superpowers yeah. kills you before you can get your superpowers, right? right. That's, that stinks. That, yeah. That's the problem. Um, that being said, our, our ability both in electrical and mechanical engineering and genetic engineering uh -huh. is what's making a lot of these things possible. Okay. So a lot of what was deemed accidental in the old school place, which yeah. does make for a more exciting story and Absolutely, kind of fun, no question. Um, really would probably never happen accidentally, but is what we can design for now. Uh -huh. And that's kind of that fascinating twist. Yeah. No, right. I guess that's true. But I mean, I imagine accidents, you know, if we're going to go along this line, Denon, and I, I always like to pull the threads that you put out there. Sure. We've had lots of scientific breakthroughs that have come through by accidents, including yes. penicillin. Yeah. That's so discovery major. by accident, I will agree with. Mm -hmm. um, superhero by accident? Is superhero by accident is <laughs> a little harder. Well, you know, when you think about it, here's the other thing, right? Go on. So we're, we're fusing to a spine, right? Mm -hmm. So clearly stuff is melting. Yes. I mean, that's what's going on. Sure. So yeah. it's really, really unlikely. This is what, you know, the laws of thermo... I'm going to throw thermodynamics yeah. out there. Tell sure. us. It's really unlikely that to randomly, as you melt stuff, to end up with functioning circuits talking to each other. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the accident that's challenging. But the, in the, you live in the quantum world, right? So couldn't there be a quantum possibility where that <laughs> exists? I'll turn to the engineer for that. <laughs> I got him. That's number one. I got that. All right. I'll, I'll put this out there. As in the, yeah. uh, so, uh, 
I prefer the Alfred Molina Spider-Man Two. Oh, okay. Doc Ock. I, the the ult the ultimate Spider-Man war. Yeah, it's a different ultimate. Where the the arms were originally controlled by needles that were injected into his spine. Okay. So the needles are right. already there, so that's right. good. And then he that gets like hit by the fusion blast, and it kind of melts. Right. Or yeah. It softens the metal. Maybe it, it softens melt the metal. It, it all it does is <laughs> it just broke the retraction system. Exactly. <laughs> so they can't get it out. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Everything else totally fine. Yeah, it works. So does that? Does the engineering hold up on that point? Uh, I, no, you probably melt and destroy the sensitive nerve instrument reading instruments first. But yeah, we'll ignore that. No, no, they, they were fine. well shielded. Yeah. 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 No, it's fine. I mean, it was designed to do a fusion reaction. You know, it's. You know, it's got a lot of. It's got to have a lot of magnetic and EMI shielding on it. Well, it's got to have you know a little bit of grit to it. And like, we also yeah. know it's actually not magnetic because he doesn't fly in. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's all very true. Well, and you bring up an interesting point because there's lots of in real life stuff here. Yeah. So let me break down some of the really fun things. So MIT has the shoulder-mounted robot. We're gonna go from no, no disrespect to MIT here, but we're gonna go from kind of the weakest example to the coolest example. Okay. Okay. So first, MIT has a shoulder-mounted robot. So it's essentially you wear it on your shoulder, you know, it's like a backpack. Right. And it has these two arms that can kind of go up and hold stuff for you. Okay? It's kind of okay. cool. It's like the beginning of Doc. It's right? the beginning, yeah. So there's this whole field um, where you can have like extra fingers and extra hands. And so there's like these gadgets you can put on like for pe that you can actually just add like another thumb. Okay? So there's like these these and I'll put up I'll put up links to all this stuff. Okay. Uh, now there's this really interesting guy. His name's Johnny Matheny, I believe, getting his name correct. Uh, you know how I am with names. Right. Um, so he has a modular prosthetic arm, and this, John Hopkins is developing this. It's a 10-year agreement. So basically, he lost his arm from, like, the elbow down. Okay. He's got this highly advanced... It looks like something out of Terminator, right? Like, it looks like the thing that they're destroying in Terminator 2. Okay. <clears throat> no spoiler alerts. I apologize. Maybe that's where they got it. It could be. Yep. <laughs> but he's, it attaches. It can, they can update the, the software remotely. We can get into hacking and all that stuff later on. Um, but he kind of believes that this arm is his, and he's learning how to use it. Actually, his main goal is to play the piano. How crazy is that? Well, I, I, it goes to how amazing the human brain is, mm -hmm. right? And that's one of the most amazing things about these interfaces between human and robotic pieces, yeah. is that your brain... It's not really using the part that controls your actual hand, mm. but it figures out what parts it needs to use to send signals to the computer interface right. to control the robotic arm that you've attached to it. And then the computer side is pretty amazing because it is very good at interpreting what's coming in and mm. learning from that. So how does that, like what is that connection between the nerves and, because it's like there's like this, kind of like this synapse jump where you have biology controlling machines how do we make that jump and what's the connection there? Well, the key is simply it's both electrical. So electrical yeah. to electrical interfaces okay. are fairly straightforward to do. It's a little tricky for me. Any electrical interface, any electric so human to computers? That's yeah, I mean the the trick really is the human ones are fundamentally based on moving ions around. Okay. You know, sodium, potassium, things like that. Sure. And Anything we build in the computer or the robot is fundamentally built on electrons moving through conductors. Okay. But they're still basically electrical signals. And so figuring out how to make those match is a challenge. It's hard, but that's just an engineering challenge. Yeah. The physics is obvious. Okay. Yeah. What about to give I, the engineering? The engineering is pretty simple. So nerves 
you can. Well, but if it was so simple, we would have done this a hundred years ago. Well, no, it's just cutting edge stuff. It is cutting edge stuff. It, it's simple now. But, Once it, you do it, 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 you declare it simple, <laughs> Dan. Until you do it, it's hard. It's very simple. It's simple from a fundamental physics standpoint. It, well, yeah, we've established that. It's, it, it is complicated from having the microelectronics that are sensitive enough to uh -huh. detect the nerves. So, ner like Dan was saying, the nerves use ion channels to uh, transmit electrical signals through your body, and we can use. Uh, just tiny analog to digital converters basically to measure that electrical signal just like if you were measuring a just like if you were measuring a a you know the current in a resistor or mm -hmm. any other thing you can put something on that to sense that signal and then you put it through a computer and the computer can clean it up and filter it and do all the things it needs to do to figure out how to move the hand mm -hmm. I don't buy that it's that simple. Well, no, the, the challenge, the challenge is, yeah. is always in building things small. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right? That's where it becomes really hard. Uh -huh. And also using yeah. biocompatible materials. Yeah, and, and yeah, not having your body reject it. Right. So could you, could you go a step further? I'm just spitballing here. Could you mm -hmm. go and then engineer something that's biologically based and then that's, but has an engineering, that has like a computer core and then stick it on? Yeah, I, like a Terminator, I guess is what I'm saying. That's saying. much harder, but people are trying to look into that. I mean, it's a fascinating thing. The way our body does computing from a fundamental physics point of view is way slower than a computer does. Okay. But it's massively parallel in the brain. It's massively... Um, so it allows for some more interesting things. That's why there's things we still do better than computers. Got it. Because it's not just about speed. Okay. Um, but that would be an interesting thing. Um, looking at how to make something that looks much more like your nerves in your brain using ion channels, using moving ions around um, in solution, and maybe using that as the first interface, making that a little bit bigger, then you don't need the micro. But I, I think we've done so well at making electronics that are non-bio small. Mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty cool way to go. Electronics that are non-bio small. Like yeah. That. Uh, so let me give you one other thing here. This one's kind of cool, kind of goes into what we're talking about. So there's a guy named Jason Barnes, so not Bucky Barnes, but Jason okay. Barnes. But here's what's cool His about brother. him. Well, it's not cool. This is actually tragic, but it's an interesting parallel. He lost his arm in an accident at work. So what? But he was a drummer. So the so Georgia Tech built him a prosthetic arms, one prosthetic arm that it can operate its own rhythm independently of what his hand is doing. So he can basically have two different like he can drum with one hand, do with another hand, right? So he can. Basically, do two different things. This, the prosthetic arm has two drumsticks, so he can have two independent rhythms going on, three total. How crazy is that? That is amazing. And and so, real quickly, Dan, just yeah. so I'm clear, um, are these separate rhythms coming from his brain that he's choosing, or is it kind of programmed in robotically? That is an excellent question. I'm glad that you asked that. So one is his arm, obviously. Right. One is his hand. The other is an AI-produced rhythm okay. that's happening on the other side. So you can have three separate ones, one produced by the AI, AI. itself. No. Now this is incredible. What I don't like is other drummers are using this so they can have a third arm, which definitely feels like cheating. Yes. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting if music goes the same way as sports and bands. <laughs> so what do you think about it? I think that that, you, you know, know. It's an interesting, I think you have to clearly advertise what you are. I mean, I was shocked and, and disappointed when I learned about people using electronics to keep their voices on key. You know, I'm, I'm you know, very well, naive. And yeah, or, I mean, yeah, anything. Huh. 
you know? Yeah. Well, well auto-tune is something that's like a post thing. Yeah, is, you know. It's not like a device you attach live. to your vocal cords. No, yeah, but, you know, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I, I like the human element. Oh, I don't like that either. I'm just saying, I don't know if it's, it quite falls into the Dr. Octopus world. No, oh, no. I was just, I was just getting my own, you know, <laughs> oh, other plug out there right, for things sure, I just sure. like. Your own personal political agenda. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Push every single, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Well, and speaking of political agendas, DARPA, I'm sure you guys are familiar with mm -hmm. DARPA, the yes. uh, Defense Advanced Arts. Research Projects Association. Yes. Agency. Agency. agency yeah. They're amazing. They've actually funded, and this is kind of along with what you're saying, because really the key here is using your brain to move. Right, to um, move things. To move things and to, and to control robotics. They're, they're, they've actually sponsored six different universities who are all working on a different aspect of kind of like a wet neural net that goes right. on that can then take everything that's going on in your brain from the chemical standpoint, electrical standpoint, everything that goes on in your noodle, um, and then put it into the world and be able to either restore vision, restore feeling, yeah. all this kind of stuff. No, I think, and, and I really think this, so much of it has started, which is great and motivated and helping vets who have been injured in ways yeah. that we couldn't help them before. Yeah. And this is, this is an amazing technology starting and coming forward. No, I completely agree. I think they should yeah. get all the, the first stuff. They should yeah. be the first line of defense for the defense. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say that right? I think that works. Part of our defense would be the first line of defense because they've done their job. Yeah. Um, so is this easy to do, the neural net? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't He's know in an easy mode today. I'm, I, I'm curious to see. I, yes and no. Okay. I'm going to go yes and no. I mean, again, one of the cool things is we, we, we've known the fundamental principles and it's always been limited by the technology. Okay. Right, the brain is incredibly complex. The number of signals going on, but think about just the improvement um, we've seen in being able to do functional measuring of the brain, functional MRI, mm -hmm. magnetic resonance imaging, where we're, we're getting way better at detecting really small magnetic uh, signals, which is the key component of this. Mm -hmm. Instead of sticking needles into your head to measure your brain activity, we can just put sensors around your skull yeah. and detect what's going on and see what's happening when you're hungry when you're sleeping when you're thinking and all these different things and correlate brain activity with different things you're doing so hmm. it really is an amazing um, amazing progress is being made but it all comes down to pushing the technology even more yeah well because here's the other thing speaking of pushing it, and this is the last thing and I think we've got our solution yeah. here the trick with Dr. Octopus is it's four arms. He's essentially yeah. controlling eight limbs. Yes. How does that your brain adapt to that? So I think that's actually one of the big problems. Or I think that's one of the great solutions of Dr. Octopus is that the arms have their own AI. Uh -huh. Oh, like this drummer, like the Johnny Barnes yeah. drummer. And I think that's important because I think our brains might have trouble adapting to an extra four limbs. Hmm. I, I'm going to be more optimistic. Okay. I really think the brain is a fascinating and amazing um, thing and, and has sort of adaptable abilities that we're not even aware of yet. Yeah. I think early on the AI is key. Well, I think. Well, I, th I think it's less that the yeah. you you. I think controlling the arms is the easy part, but I think when you look at say the Doc Ock arm, yeah. how it's built, right? There's thousands of actuators, yes. and thousands of sensors, and that I think our, our gets, brain might have a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's really I, hard to do the detail. Right. Right. So, so I, you send general signal AI. Right. Mm -hmm. So you think, I want the arm there, and the computer and the arms is going to yeah. figure out all the little motors and movements to actually do that. But I agree with that. Yeah. So that being said, if we can figure that out along with the neural net plus the drummer who's got uh, an AI drumming hand, I think we got all the pieces I think here. we're there. No, yeah. Doc Ock is, is coming. <laughs> 
Takak is coming. Um, and so if you want to see us, how can people get in touch with you guys? Okay, so for me, you can find me um, at Den and Michael on Twitter. I'm on Instagram now because I'm moving into the future. I think I did that. Yeah, I think Instagram may now be irrelevant because I've moved on to that platform. Yeah, once you're on it, people... Um, but you can find me on Facebook Exodus. at Prof Den and Michael. Prof Den and Michael. But huh? Den and Michael's the main thing to look that's for. that's Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. Okay, yep. great. I'm on all the social medias as B Seepser. That's pretty easy. Yeah. I'm yeah. extraordinarily difficult because I'm Analytical Mastermind on Facebook, the Daniel J. Glenn on Instagram, and Daniel J. Glenn on Twitter. Uh, very difficult, but it's worth it. Nothing in life is easy uh, that's worth having. So anyway, thank you guys for this. This has hey, been this great. Is great. A lot yeah. of fun. Thank good you. job. Way to crack it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Check out the FGGGBT website for all kinds of stuff, including links that we talked about in this episode. You'll also find future updates as new technology advances. As the, as the human race moves forward and technology becomes ubiquitous and advances to mythical proportions, you'll find all the links here to different articles and technology that will keep you up to date. You will also find links to this episode and every episode we've ever done. So where do you find these links? Bottom of the Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, Gear-Based Technologies webpage. That's fgggbt.com. You'll find Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and of course, all the experts. They got their social media. You'll find links to theirs right at the bottom there. And if you like this show, you're going to love all the stuff that I do. Check out danieljglenn.com for links to everything. Thank you for listening.